0: You're listening to the Scars and Guitars podcast series that syndicates for the A-List online and my name is Andrew Mackay-Smith. The interview subject I have coming up for your listening pleasure. It's Eduardo O'Gill and he is the guitarist, or one of the guitarists, but he is the principal songwriter and architect of Los Angeles, actually I'll get this right, from Venezuela via Los Angeles-based outfit Sifting. They're actually one of my favourite bands around at the moment and the reason for the conversation is to promote the outstanding New album for the band, which will see light of day around the 27th of September, 2019. It's called The Infinite Loop. So here he is, Eduardo O'Gill. How are you, sir? How you doing, man? I'm good, mate. I'm good. What's been happening in your world apart from this extraordinary album you've just just released?
1: Thank you very much, man. Thank (laughs) you very much.
0: No worries. Yeah, what's been doing, mate? You've just been uh, getting ready to go on the promotional trail for it, that sort of thing?
1: Yeah, yeah, we've just been, uh, you know, rehearsing like crazy and, you know, just preparing for a tour and, uh, you know, doing promotion, like lots of promotion interviews and, Mm. you know, the usual. But, uh, yeah, we're really excited with this new album for sure.
0: Yeah, I think it's your best album, to say the least, actually. And and from the perspective that I think it actually hints at bigger and better things from you guys, you know that, And, and I'm really taken with this song here, Stop Calling Me Liberty. Okay, I think the direction that you've really laid down the gauntlet with that cut there, it's brutal, it's heavy, it's got all of the key elements that I think make your music your music, but then it's taken it a little bit beyond. And you got to a point, now you've seen my tweet last night where I said, I think Metallica fans need to hear this because I can't stand Metallica these days, to be honest, mate. But, <laughs> but when I hear music like yours... Okay, it's palatable enough for all of these non-metal Metallica fans to actually get into, but at the same time, it also still appeals to your core constituency, which is heavy metal fans. And, mate, you've just got it all going on here. I think you've done it, mate. I think you've achieved something near to the perfect song.
1: Awesome, man. Thank you very much. Yeah, yeah. That's one of our favorite songs for sure.
0: mm Tell me about how yeah. you, what what the inspiration behind that one there was, I man. Because there's 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 more killer riffs in that one cut than Metallica has had for two decades. Oh shit! <laughs> all right.
1: Well, um, yeah. I mean, uh, I wrote this song with uh, the former guitarist uh, Richard Garcia, hmm. and uh, you know, we just uh, you know he just put all the all the riffs he wrote like. Like in a long time, like we just chose the best ones and uh, I chose my best melodies too and uh, You know, we just started working on those, you know, like mm. to create like the perfect combination of riffs and melodies It was pretty crazy doing it because uh, I mean, you nor- normally you don't, you know, listen to this kind of melodies You know with this kind of riffs you know, you're just thinking you know, on something like rah, rah, You know, like some screaming and stuff but but, uh, mm-hmm. but it was pretty challenging, you know, to To make to put like a melody on it. And, yeah. and when the guys listened to it, they were like, wow, dude This is amazing. This melody like, you know, that you can just create melodies and this kind of riffs and you know mm-hmm. It makes it sound so cool and catchy but, but at the same time powerful and you know and yeah, I mean, it was amazing for sure. Dick Spears of writing this
0: song. Yeah, mate, it's. Did um, the riffs just keep coming at you? There's just guitar shrapnel flying all over the place with that one there. And is it, it, made, is it, is it really hard for you guys? Okay, so you do the recording, and I get that's not always going to be a band effort, you know, meaning you're not always going to be there at the same time. So it's something else completely different when you are there at the same time, i.e., playing live. I imagine, mate. Because there are there are quite a lot of cuts on this album here that are that are quite hard. I'm a musician. I don't I don't know whether we spoke about that last time we had a chat, but I was thinking yeah. as a bassist how I'd keep up with some of your stuff here, man. There's a lot to remember. There's a lot to get your head around. So, are you having to? Re- did you did you rehearse a lot before you went into the studio, or is it something that you're going to sort of put together from now?
1: Yeah, we kind of did the album like uh, Dream Theater made their album like. The last one, I think, they recorded, like, they just, you know, they just created the songs and recorded them and then started, you know, yeah. rehearsing the songs. It's easier. But yeah. yeah, that's yeah, that's the way we did it, because, you know, these songs, they just take so much time to learn and play it perfectly. Like, it was really, you know, hard to learn these songs. Man. Like, we took, like, for every song, it's like almost three weeks or four weeks to, to kind of, like, have it you know perfectly i imagine and uh, i can hear yeah Yeah, i can hear yeah 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 yeah, they're pretty crazy hard and uh it was uh, actually the fifth element our instrumental was like an extreme challenge because you know i got really crazy with that with that one i uh decided to make a song in five entirely and with quick and quintuplet feel like uh yeah, so it's, you know, quintuplets are not easy to play. Actually, mm. you know, the no, thing with quintuplets are. is you got to, yeah, the, the margin of error has to be almost zero. If not, you feel like it's a 16th note, you know, with a, a 32 or something. It just uh, sounds so, like a uh, mess,
0: yeah. To the, to the average person who isn't a musician, it just sounds like a garbled mess. Like, I know there's a lot of these Teg, Proc, Jazz, Ted sorry, Teg, Tech, Prog, jazz, metal bands out there, but to me, most of them just sound like bloody noise. I don't care how technical it is. I mean, I mean, as technical as I I ever want to go is, like, I love jazz. By the way, I'm a massive jazz fan, so I'm not talking about that. But I'm talking about in terms of heavy metal, you're about as technical as I want to go. To be quite honest with you, because you know why you've found a way to infuse it with melody, and I think a lot of the bands that do what you're talking about, they haven't understood how to marry melody. With, with that technical precision that you're so good at doing but you've always made it musical with your music you yeah know
1: yeah exactly I mean that's that's the whole game you know that's a that's a whole thing I mean like well I'm not gonna say anyone but uh but uh, it's not it's not super hard to create like super hard songs you know and you know super technical songs and uh you know it's not hard you can just get crazy and start writing hard stuff, but the mm. hard part is actually making it hard and you know and enjoyable for people, you know, mm. like they can listen to the melodies and they can actually you know catch the melody mm. and remember it, you know, I, I think that's a really hard part of being musician and, and a composer. I, I'm a jazz uh, guitar player myself, yes, well. I, yeah. I, went, I, I went to school for that and uh, and yeah, I mean, I love the technical stuff, and, but it's always like the most important thing is creating a melody that catches the attention of the people so they can remember and you can actually, you know, sell because <laughs> if not, mm. you know, people won't remember it. And uh, that's how it is.
0: Tell me about, you, you do actually have a member of Dream Theater on this, or former member of Dream Theater, I should say, on the album. So how did that relationship come about, it being the one with Derek Sheridan?
1: Oh yeah, well, uh, we toured with them, uh, with him, twice already. Uh, we went tour with uh, Sons of Apollo. That's uh,
0: oh wow, he's yeah,
1: uh, he, yeah that's his um, actual Portnoy. band right now. Yeah, yeah, with Mike Pornoy and uh, Billy Sheehan, Jeff Katzarow, and Bumblefoot, uh, It's a superhero band. <laughs> I love it. Nice. Uh, as yeah. It was uh, an extreme honor, honor to you know go and tour with them for sure. And uh, yeah, we met him there. And he's super cool, and he was always, like, you know, approaching to us and, like, saying, dude, you guys really rock. You guys have something special. You guys got to, you know, work hard. And, I mean, he was really cool, and he was always, like, giving us advice. And, and uh, yeah, one day we are just like, hey, dude, you don't want to record something with us? And he was super cool about it, you know. And same as Billy Sheehan, he actually wanted to produce this new album, he wa- he wanted to produce it, he was like, hey guys, next album I want to produce it, just give me a call and stuff and mm. we were really excited about it, but uh, he was extremely uh, busy last year, you know, after the tours and uh, he was touring with all his bands, you know, he has like 40 bands and, you know, we couldn't, you know, t- wait for him to record the album, but for sure, hopefully that's going to happen at some point.
0: Hmm. Hey, just talking about the way you wrote these songs again. Okay, so did you did you did you do everything yourself? Because I know that's it's very common, and to be honest, it's probably the best way of doing things when you're a creative visionary like you are. But did you do everything yourself? You know, with the drum machine and just put the parts together as best as you heard them, and then present them to the rest of the band either in the studio or during pre-production and and invite input then. Or can you can you tell me about how you wrote the songs?
1: Yeah, sure. Um, well, uh, I. Um to start i just uh start like writing in guitar pro i use uh that uh you know software to kind of create stuff that because uh, you know so i can hear drums because honestly when i create music i can't just you know write a guitar riff and that's it i gotta listen you know the whole the whole thing i gotta see the whole picture i gotta listen to it so i gotta i gotta listen drums bass guitar i need to know what everyone is doing to see if it's actually working for me so uh, uh, yeah. that's what I that's why I use uh, Guitar Pro and also I use it because uh, when I write an album I normally well I usually never uh, write something that I can play just right there you know mm. because I I like to you know improve myself always I always want to be like you know ahead of myself I always want to write something that uh, is Extremely hard for me to play or impossible, and then I start rehearsing it and practicing like crazy until I get it. I mean, yep. I love to do that. That's my my goal with every album, and, uh, and and yeah, when I write something super extremely hard, I cannot play it, so I just put it there. So okay, that's how it sounds. So mm. If I played it that fast, okay, awesome. <laughs> yeah, so uh, I I write everything in there, and then I present it to the band. And, and they just start, you know, creating, you know, putting their input. Like uh, Joey, the drummer, he's an amazing drummer.
0: Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, yep.
1: Yeah, I, w- I wouldn't doubt saying like he's one of the best in LA and, uh, and he has so much creativity and he's extremely crazy. And uh, yeah, he normally like writes all his drums, you know, on top of everything I wrote. And mm. I mean, he Sometimes he leaves something something that I wrote like hey, I like that So I'm just gonna leave it but normally at least 80% he it's, it's his writing and drums and um, and well this album, uh, I had Richard writing a lot with me and mm-hmm. uh, He's he's really good with riffs and stuff and like he's really mean with the, the things he write and and that's cool because he gives me like a riff And I create a song with it, you know, uh that's what I do. I, I, I'm really good at, you know, writing songs and putting melodies and creating the structures and hooks and that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And uh, he's really good with riffs, so he just kind of like created riffs and gave it to me, and and then I presented the song. Hey, here's the song, and they were always oh, yeah. like super happy, like, "Wow, dude, this is amazing!" You know, like, uh, I, yeah, I, I feel really great, you know, writing yeah. with these guys.
0: Yeah. It's, it sounds like a really cohesive environment if they're trusting you with their riffs, if a fellow band members are trusting you with riffs and they want you to put them together, a la George Martin with the Beatles in a fully formed song. I mean that's, a, yeah. that's I mean that's that sounds like it's it's about the best environment you could possibly have because, you, yeah, you've got the benevolent dictatorship with you sitting there and or you being over the cross, uh, across everything, which you need to be, you have to be in order for the band to be successful. But at the same time, you're inviting contributions and you're respecting those contributions as well. And I mean, you only have to see with Megadeth, my God, how many guitarists has Dave Mustaine going, gone through, through the years? And you think, yeah. you think, you often think to yourself, okay, are they leaving because of the business side of things? Or are they leaving? Or are they more leaving for the business side of things? Or are they more leaving because they're not being heard? They're not got a voice, if you like. Exactly. And and, and I think it's got to be a bit of both, right? Probably more toward the latter because God knows us musicians, mate. We play for nothing, and we more often and not do, don't we? You know, it costs a lot to do this, is what I'm saying. And yeah. musicians, even big musicians in a band that's that's as globally renowned and famous as Megadeth. The same pressures and the same situations might apply, but man, you've you might have figured it out there. And as I said, alluded to earlier, man, I think it all goes really well for the future of the band.
1: Thank you, man. Yeah, it works really well for sure. Uh, yeah, that's a that's a great way to write. Like, it's always good to you know let your bandmates write, because uh, I can't write music and I know it, but uh, I know if if I have their minds, you know. In you know in the album too, yeah, it's gonna yeah, exactly. be even better because mm. I can you know we can create contrasts and you know more ideas present more having more stuff in the menu that we can offer you know so uh, absolutely yeah so it, it's it's amazing and, and and well some of them you know they were like okay I'm not a songwriter but I can write a cool riff and you know and I'll take care of it you know and I respect mm. their ideas always like I. I try to leave their riffs, you know, just like they wrote it and You know, I just work. Yeah, I just work around it because I I like that. I I like having diversity in the writing because It creates a good vibe between members Mm. and uh, And that's how it is. For example with Joey. He's like dude I don't I want to I want to know how to play an instrument a guitar or something so I can contribute I was like dude just give me, you know whatever like a rhythm or something and he gave me like a, a solo that he created once and i i made a, a huge breakdown like uh there's yeah. a song called uh, emotionless shells and there's like a huge breakdown like it's the hardest one of the hardest parts of the <laughs> album and uh i created like a riff on top of it and it doesn't sound like a drum solo it's it sounds like a breakdown like a meshuga breakdown and he nice. was and he was like extremely excited like, whoa, dude, you created like that you know that breakdown with a, a drum solo and I was, yeah, dude, that's the whole idea you know like yeah I, I mean that's how it is. I, I would have never created a breakdown like that. like he's a genius, you know but uh but you know that's when I say like when you unite minds, you know yeah,
0: you, dude, sometimes yeah. you
1: get like really amazing results.
0: Well, you do, you do have them, and, and I think, you know, when, when I sent out that tweet last night, you know, it's interesting, I think, isn't it, that uh, I know Tool have produced a great album, uh, so th- I'm not going to include them in this conversation here, but I think a lot of these existing bands have really gone off the boil, the, these established bands, when I say existing bands, have gone really off the boil, and another band I'll talk about is Trivian, okay, who I think started really well, Matt Heafy started his career brilliantly, but has, in my view, really stagnated over the last three or four albums, and I'm hearing some of his work in your playing. But I guess my, my question for you is is that with these bands, and my opinion, of course, is that these bands are going off the boil a little bit, people need to hear your music. I know Chris and the Eclipse guys do a great job, but what do you think it's going to take to take you guys to the next level? Because really, you, you, you're well and truly good enough to be on those massive European festivals and the like. You know those ones that happen during their summer Um and, and playing alongside of um, Bill Hudson and North Tail and all these great guitarists and all these great artists like that. I think you're of that same calibre, mate. So what what do you think it's going to take to, to get you guys to that level?
1: Oh, thanks, man. Well, uh, I think a little bit of luck. And, uh, I mean, I think we just need, like, someone, you know, big enough, you know, willing to play our music in the radio or somewhere, you know, that... It could just c- explode because, mm. uh, I mean, the album is really good and it could, you know, you know, word of mouth, it could, you know, get big at some point. But, uh, to make it explode, we really, we n- really need like someone in a commercial radio or serious exam that actually like the music and starts playing it so mm. we can, you know, get to the charts and that way we can start booking better tours bigger tours and and that's how everything starts um, yeah usually
0: yeah no I'm hearing it. it's what's the go over there in the States with Sirius I never understand that because it's using satellite when we've got the internet so is that something that's still very prevalent over there because we don't even have it here in Australia and I, I suppose you didn't have it in Venezuela either
1: no no we don't have it in Venezuela at all yeah you gotta have sat yeah satellite and uh, you got to pay like an, a monthly amount amount to have it of course yeah and uh and yeah you can have access to many many radio stations and uh, raw active rock and you know metal everything jazz mm. and uh and, and it sounds really clear like if compared to to normal radio that sound that everything sounds like extremely compressed or you know sometimes yeah. it starts like distorting something but uh serious xm like almost never distorts like it doesn't it actually just loses signal for for a second and then comes back but it sounds like extremely deep and uh the sound is really good like of course it has more bandwidth so
0: is that right i didn't know that big greater bandwidth i didn't know that yeah it just it always seemed really odd that in the age of the internet where you can we have 5G internet in Australia these days where you can, you're basically getting faster download and faster upload speeds more to the point over the mobile network or cellular data network as you guys call it in the States uh, than you would over terrestrial internet connections that the U.S. is still a country that still has a license for satellite. It just seemed really weird, but I guess there's a lot of sure. money invested in it, and there's economies of scales at, at, at play there, which means that it continues to be a viable commercial offering. But may just just around on the point there, yeah, I, it's a tough one. I, there's yourselves, and there's, there's yourselves, and there's a band that I'm interviewing tonight from Belgium, Belgium or Denmark, Denmark, sorry, called Black Income, who I think have released you, you guys, you and them have released two of the albums of the year by far and by estimation. But it's just I, I don't know how we get around getting people who don't dive deeper than what's on the radio or what has got a hundreds and probably hundreds of millions at this point behind the Mallar Metallica through promotion and the like because let's face it, they're a massive corporation these days bands like Metallica yeah and they take up all of the available space on the dock do you know what I'm saying like' they're, they're these huge yeah. vessels and you're you're Comparatively speaking, you're a speedboat, but you're smaller than them. But it's it's just a case of raising... How do we get people to want to dive a bit deeper? You know, And I think if anybody can figure that aspect of it out, then they're going to be a trillionaire almost overnight because there's so much great music out there, such as yourselves and Black Income, who are producing music that I think is life-affirming. And, and I think that having a conversation with you and listening to how meaningful the music is for you... This is why I love podcasting, because I love the way people who listen to, who take the time to dive a bit deeper and find a band like Sifting and then listen to you as the architect of the band's sound, listen to what you've got to say. Mate, this is living. It goes beyond just music. This is about, this is what it's like to be alive, being creative and supportive, supporting creative types, man, and I just wish that I could take more people on that journey, mate. To be honest, I real, I really do. And it's, uh it used to be a source of frustration. These days, I'm just sort of, well, you know, maybe, you know, what can I say? It's a case of maybe we, us music fans, we get sifting and the black incomes all to ourselves. Maybe we do. Maybe that's just the lot that. We all have, and I just hope people out there who really get into your music support you guys by turning up to shows and purchasing product. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. How's, um, how's Los Angeles treating you, mate? Because I uh, mentioned Venezuela there a couple of times, and, and for people who don't know who are listening, you originally do come from Venezuela, and mate, a bit like Bill Hudson, who came from Brazil to the US, you're really making a mark for yourself there. But um, mate, how, is it still a lot different to home, or have you sort of acclimatised
1: yeah i mean uh yeah already climatized a little bit yeah i mean i love it here the only thing is you know i miss my family there and friends but in venezuela there's almost no one left like of my friends they're all all over around the world you know they're all they're not there anymore Uh, it's just my dad there
0: (laughs) i feel for you guys over there mate i mean we get i get all of the news sources here cnn fox whoever it might be the whole lot and uh, i think what's going on in venezuela for all of those. Excuse me for going on a tangent political rant here, but for any of these idiots out there who support socialism and communism, you've lived through some of those changes and your family's been affected by it. You know, and I can't stand the way people in countries like North America, Canada, the United States, you know, that basically white people from Australia and they're advocating for communism and socialism, yet they don't know how bloody hard it is for average people and families to get by.
1: Yeah, they don't have an idea. It's ridiculous. it is yeah it's ridiculous yeah. yeah
0: it's somebody like yourself who's lived through it and you've got family members it's probably in your back in your mind a lot and you know i feel for you that way mate you know it's uh, it's tough yet we've got bloody idiot university students that aren't even old enough to probably wipe their bums properly their asses properly yet they're yelling at the rest of society uh about uh capitalism is greedy and it's bad and therefore it's the uh the fault of capitalism all of the world's ills can be can be attributed to therefore Communism—it's like, how did we get to that yeah. point?
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, this uh, well, communism is socialism imperfection. Like, if you, like, if you're social, if you're a social a socialist country, and and you do it perfectly, then you you become a, a, a communism, yeah, uh, a communist uh, country. So it's dangerous, man. It's a dangerous path to go.
0: Oh, it's For extremely sure. dangerous, mate. We, we're seeing it here with them locking down. They, what they do in Australia, mate, is that they pick these pet projects like um, climate change or what have you, the Adani mine that we've got up here in Queensland, and uh, they uh, say, all right, we're going to shut down Brisbane CBD. That's the local city here, the major city here. Um, and, of course, like, people who are trying to go to work can't get to work because they're protesting and gluing themselves to zebra crossings. But not just that. Emergency services can't get through to people who need help. I mean, that's that's at a basic level, mate. They've really got to start thinking about that and don't – you might have a view and it might be completely informed as it is if you're a communist or a socialist because of all of the raft of information we have out there about the disaster that communism and socialism ultimately leads to. But it's just – again, I'm going to drill, drill this thing back to music. What happened to being creative? You know, if you want to protest and you want to have your voice being heard – Okay, And you haven't lived enough life yet to probably cross-check a lot of your sources and to basically question, even if it does come from an academic source, what it is being motivated by. How about you park all of that for a moment and just dive into your creativity? Because I do believe a lot of these people are sensitive souls. Therefore, they've got a creative bent. But... they're they're using their creativity, if you could call it that, and it's a fairly long bow to draw, I want to say it this way, but they're using it for so destructive means, aren't they? And then I listen to somebody like yourself who's come from a country who's going through enormous turmoil because of it, and look at the success that you are just by being creative. You know, you're a guiding light and an example for some of these people who get really frustrated with the world and don't actually pay attention to their good graces and the fortune that they've got being born in a country like the United States or Australia you've had to move to the United States to do what you're doing because you probably wouldn't have been given an opportunity to do that in Venezuela. And I think people like, people like yourself are really good examples of how to lead your life. Yeah. You know, so it's a uh, long bow to draw, as I say, mate, but uh, I think it's an important one because... Uh, oh, yeah, it is. You know, it's creativity and bringing music to people ultimately makes people happy. And the more happy people there are in the world, there is uh, people wanting to do... Wanton destruction.
1: Exactly. Yeah. The more creativity is, you know, there is less destruction will be. Because people, when people is creative, they should stop being lazy and, you know, and and destructive. Because that's how it is. You know, You're, you're feeling happy when you go, when you get creative, you just, you know, start doing something amazing and you just enjoy it, you know, but. So much people working on horrible jobs nowadays, yes, you know most people like they yep, don't use right. their creativity for nothing. they're just looking at their Instagram, looking how other people is being creative oh, well sometimes <laughs> and uh <laughs> and that's and that's it that's a more creative thing they do in the day, like they don't you know. So that's why there's so much destruction and killings and everything in this world, because people is not being creative.
0: That's,
1: the source, of,
0: yeah. that's the source of life. Mm. Yeah, sure. I, I 100% agree with you. Very articulate way of putting it, mate. It is. It's, it's exactly right. So I guess it does allude to the broader question. And I, I might have asked this on the last time we had a chat, but I'm, I'm really interested to hear the, the answer to the response again if I did ask it before, mate, but you know, yeah, you could throw your hands up and say fuck the world, I don't want to participate in this anymore and go on a wanton, destructive path as I guess a lot of us can, but you don't You mind, your creativity but you've got drive and you've got enthusiasm for being alive and creating this sort of music so where, where do you think that comes from?
1: Uh, the creativity? Yeah Wow, well, I think it's something divine, man uh, sometimes I you know I mean, it it's arrogant thinking that uh that creativity is just you know comes from you. I think it it comes from something greater than us. Uh, I don't you know I don't want to say any god or anything, but uh, I think I think there's something bigger, you know, than us that's you know just it's like a source of energy that you know fills us with all this great uh, you know creativity and we can just you know download it anytime we want you know we just decide to do it and because i I feel it when i write my music sometimes i just feel like i'm remembering it i'm not even writing it i'm just remembering something that's that's coming to me like in an instant sometimes it writes itself like a song like enough from this album it it just wrote itself It, it was amazing it was something you know wow like i was like oh my god this was weird like i felt like i was you know possessed <laughs> by you know the creativity the ghost of creativity or whatever you want to cool. call it better but, yeah. uh, but yeah man it, it just went out like that and and it's it's a very special song for me in the album like if you ask me like what song do you think that you know could take you like to the you know to the ultimate point of you know making it or something i would say enough Is more is the most commercial song of the album. It's not the more proggy or anything, but uh, it has so much, you know, a, a powerful message and and musician and, and music it is so powerful. Like yeah. I never, I never get tired of it. And uh, and I think it, it's that way, you know. Sometimes, you know, I remember actually in "Stop Calling Me Liberty" when I wrote that uh, that uh, interlude. The clean part that is so amazing it just came to me like at 3:30 a.m i was yes. just writing and <laughs> i was like okay i i always because when i write music i i'm a fan a big fan of symphony and um, symphonic music and you know
0: okay.
1: i always i always listen to symphonies and all all that kind of stuff like a lot of people tells me hey you guys are like dream theater like to recall melodies and stuff but that's actually that actually comes from you know classical music so yes. but, but yeah like uh all that uh orchestration and stuff and uh, i remember writing like this part i was like okay i need a you know a clean part uh, a beautiful part and it just came to me like in 15 minutes i wrote that amazing melody my favorite of the album actually uh, the guitar harmony in there and uh and stop calling me Liberty okay. and it was so amazing dude that I, I just I just started crying and everything I was like wow <laughs> Like that was yeah, that that's was great. Crazy. That's awesome. Yeah, that was awesome like uh, I mean, it's <laughs> I mean, uh, I know it's not too. it's really soft But uh, but that's what happened, you know, I, I just started crying when I wrote it because I felt like Something bigger than me just wrote that part and gave mm. it to me as a present to fucking kill it in this world And I was like alright Let's kill it you know amazing like this is how it is and uh and yeah dude i think it's 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 a great uh, i think if you if we can try to you know concentrate and try to connect with that uh upper you know being you know something something uh, like great stuff can you know you know you can write really great stuff and create mm-hmm. really great stuff it's just a thing of learning how to connect you know letting that inner you you know connect yeah with your hands and your you know your instrument or whatever you're using to create you
0: know? i was uh, i was i can't remember which podcast i was listening to it might have been one of the joe rogan episodes and uh one, he's was saying that, and I don't know how true this is by the way but I'm only going to sort of go off my memory of what they were talking about in the conversation but Keith Richards in the Stones he might still do it but he certainly used to according to the interview subject record himself at night as he was sleeping okay because he wanted to pick up what what he was maybe I don't know whether he was trying to pick up of some sort of weird paranormal activity in the room or what have you but anyway what he ended just- up hearing <laughs> what he ended up hearing was he was either Humming tunes, or he was singing melodies. Something. Anyway, he was basically writing songs in his sleep, and one of the wow. songs that, according to this interview subject that he that he that that uh, Keith says came from one of these sessions was Satisfaction. Now, I, again, <laughs> I don't know how true that story is, but isn't that really interesting that you say that? I think you you definitely we're all connected to the divine, the God source, but some people have a clearer channel of communication as I believe you do, to that divine source. Because I think you are a really good example of somebody like Keith is. You are doing exactly what you've been put on this earth to do. You talked about it before. So many people are just in shit jobs. They're miserable. They're unhappy. They're on antidepressants. They drink too much. They take all sorts of shitty drugs that just destroy their bodies. And really, it's all escapism. None of it really is about... Mining for creativity and being connected to something which is going to be creative and bring joy to people like what you do. So, yeah, it's a really interesting comment that you make there. And I know when I I haven't written songs in years, but I know when I was writing songs, I I thought I'd basically wake up and I'd have no, my mind would be basically blank apart from, you know, the caffeine hit from the coffee that I'd have. But I'd pick up (laughs) the bass of the guitar and I'd start writing a song and I think, where is this bloody coming from? I mean, this is—it's not a cognitive thing. This is coming from somewhere somewhere else. This is not a process like I do a lot of writing and journalism, where you have got to work at that. The words occasionally flow through you, and you're lucky if you get a paragraph like that. And you just bit like bit like what you're saying—you just feel so connected to source when that happens that you just think it's wonderful. But man, writing a song—that's a bit of a different thing, man, because that's that's you've got a tool which is a guitar or an instrument and mate you're realizing what's in your creative um, let's call it your creative aura yeah <laughs> you're bringing it yeah. in from your creative aura exactly yeah. so what's yeah. um so what what's happening with with touring and stuff mate have you got some tours lined up
1: uh, well um right now we just uh, stopped working with the with our booking agent um, we're trying to look for you know a bigger one and uh, and well, I, we're just working on it. It's a matter of time when we align some tours, and you know, we keep we will keep everyone informed in our social media for sure when, whenever that starts happening. Mm.
0: Well, I think, uh, <laughs> needless to say, mate, if you guys can ever come down to Australia, I'd appreciate it. <laughs> I know it's hard. Oh yeah, so.
1: yeah, that's that's something we really want to do. I have tons of friends there in Australia, so I'm looking. I'm really looking forward to going there. Mm.
0: How, how, how did you get a lot of mates down here, mate? Is that just fans reaching out to you uh, online or fellow musicians?
1: Well, uh, for starters, like, a lot of my Venezuelan friends uh, ended up going there uh, to Australia, and uh, they just moved there. And uh, and then, uh, uh, like, in the last album, Not From Here, we got a lot, you know, a good amount of fans in Australia, you know. Because... Uh, Cliff Records, they, you know, they have really good contacts there, and yep. they just grew, you know, they did a pretty good job with the last album in Australia, and people have been really, you know, excited from there, they're always sending messages and, you know, commenting, so, yeah, we're really looking forward to going there and play.
0: Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? We tend to pick up on some bands, and we're very massive supporters, and I think uh, a lot of the heavy metal if I can call it that, that's come out of Australia over the last 15 years or so, like Dead Letter Circus, COG, some of these bands you might have heard of. Um, I'm not talking about like the Amity Affliction and Parkway Drive and stuff, all that metalcore and deathcore stuff. Good stuff, but I think the the prog metal stuff, if you don't mind me putting you into that very broad and kind of (laughs) nondescriptive genre tag, (laughs) but a lot of Australians do like that, is my point. You know, through uh, yeah. some of these bands that I've mentioned, like Dead Letter Circus and the like they—they they, we really do get into it. And there's a lot of bands here that do uh, sound like spiritual cousins to what you're doing, man. So it doesn't surprise me at all that a lot of Aussies have reached out. And, uh, man, I just, nice. just hope we can make a tour happen for you so they can come down here and share the joy. Hell yeah, man, for sure. Yeah, that'll happen for sure. Yeah. Mate, um, for people listening who want to get in touch with you I know you're a very, you're a, you're a very easy guy to talk to. I want to Thank you very much for the conversation And I know you've got a great online presence But just for their awareness levels, mate How can they get in touch with you And on what social channels are you on?
1: Um, well, uh, just check out the, our, um, our website Siftingofficial.com And uh, you can always contact us through you know, Instagram or Facebook we're always active in our Facebook Messenger. Like, if you have any questions about the album, or pre-orders, or whatever, just write us there. And uh, I mean, most times is the label replying, but sometimes we, you know, we can reply to and uh, if we're there, if we saw, if we see it first. And, and Instagram, we totally. Um, managed our Instagram ourselves so cool if you guys want to contact us just send you know shoot us a message there and comment to us you know it's always nice to get comments and you know uh, you know listen to your words like what you think about the album or the songs is always you know really, amazing for us, so we know we're doing a good job.
0: <laughs> we're doing a great job, brother. Um, you know, good luck with everything. Um, I, I really hope this is the album that does for you what I think you so richly deserve, okay? Um, I, I think this this is the, 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 the of I've got two of your albums now. I've got this one and the uh, last one, Not From Here, and mate, they're just superb quality. Great execution, great riffs, great vocal, great drumming. The whole package is there with you guys, man. I just really hope that With this album here, The Infinite Loop, this new one for 2019, that it tips you over the edge and puts you into the spotlight. I think, I think, hopefully, there's a band or an artist like a Megadeth or somebody like that who does pick you up and take you out on them, man, because you will give them a serious run for their money.
1: (laughs) Hopefully, man. Hopefully, someone notices. That's that's all it takes. Someone like in the with the big guns, you know, notices, and that's it. That's all it takes.
0: Mm, Indeed. Yeah, mate. That's it. You've been listening to the Scars and Guitars podcast series that syndicates for the A-List online, and my name, it's Andrew Mackay-Smith. The interview subject you just heard from then is Eduardo O'Gill from the Venezuela, via Los Angeles-based rock and metal outfit, Sifting. Thanks so much for listening.